Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org. And now a message from The Rock of Gainesville. All right, stand back up. For those of you that have already been seated, I want to uh, throw that first verse up there, please. T- Jeremiah 29, 11. And uh, we just kind of sang this song. So uh, before I get into it, I want you to read this out loud with me. Start now. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil. To give you a future and a hope. Now we're going to read it again out loud. This time make it personal. Make it sound like it's coming straight to you, all right? Read it again. For I know the plans that you have for me, declares the Lord. Plans for, and not for evil, to give me a future and a hope. Amen. You can be seated. Father, I bless your word this morning. I thank you for the life that comes through the living word of Jesus Christ. And I thank you today that you do have a future and a hope for us. You have plans that you have for each one of us. And I am thankful today for the joy of getting to bring your word to your faithful people. In Jesus' mighty name, and everybody said a big amen. amen. So God's script for you is based on his love and his desire for your life to succeed. Last week, as I started this little uh, two-week mini-series, God's Script for You. Um, It obviously hit home with a lot of folks. I I got a lot of texts this week, a lot of phone calls, a lot of ministry here at the front, because I believe with all that's within me that God has a perfect plan for you and I, and the enemy is going to do everything within his power to stop you from fulfilling what God has for your life. Three of you agree with me. How about the rest of you? The enemy comes to, as Jesus declared, to steal, to kill, and destroy. What's he coming to kill? What's he he coming to steal from you? What's he want to get from you? Your destiny. The plans that God has for you, the enemy wants you to not believe it's possible for you to get there. Hear me this morning. Look up here. Let me see the whites of your eyes. It's not only possible. I'm telling you, God have put within you the grace to walk out the very plan that he has for your life. His purpose for your life. Doesn't matter what your past is. Doesn't matter what you came out of. What matters is what have you received? What have you grasped hold of? What are you uh, uh, believing that God desires to do in your life? And will you begin to activate your faith to walk it out? It's not going to just happen. God has a future and a hope for you. He has plans for you, but it's not just going to happen. You have to choose to walk in the fullness of what he has for you. You have to activate your faith to do it. Yesterday, Suzanne and I watched, and I heard she shared that this morning to the prayer group, but uh, we watched the Jesus Revolution again last night, and if you haven't seen it at least once, Uh, You need to see that movie. And uh, if you've seen it once, go back and watch it again. It'll inspire you. It'll stir you. And I was thinking about 
Pastor Chuck Smith, who was the founder of Calvary Chapel, and uh, he's really kind of the part of the heartbeat of, of this movie. And uh, as the movie begins, he's uh, pastoring this very small, dry, boring, dead, irre irrelevant church. And his, his daughter is bored out of her mind. Sounds like the church I grew up in. We had the times of our service out on the front uh, wall of the outside of the building. And sometimes I wondered if those times were for a memorial service <laughs> or church. Because it seemed like it was so dead and lifeless. They had the form of religion, they looked religious, they sound religious, but there was something lacking. And in the movie, Chuck and his wife get in a, a discussion, I'll call it, with their daughter. She's getting ready to walk out the door, and her mother asks her, honey, are you doing drugs? And the daughters literally almost appalled at the question, but they have this heated discussion. And so as she opens the door to walk out, her mom yells at her, where are you going? And she yells as she's closing the door to do drugs. <laughs> That's what you expect me to be doing, so I'm going to go do drugs. Well, before she left, she, the daughter asked Chuck, the father, the pastor, a question, and he responds with, if Jesus will bring a hippie into my house, then I'll be willing to have a discussion. <laughs> and as the divine providence of God, his daughter picks up this hippie who's walking down the road. And they end up talking all night long in Chuck's house while he's asleep. And he wakes up and walks out into the kitchen for his morning coffee in his pajamas to find a hippie standing in his kitchen. <laughs> he's like, who are you? And that was the beginning of the foundation of this phenomenal movement. How many of you were alive back during the Jesus Hippie Days movement, 1970s? I was in college, Bible college in Lakeland, Florida, where I met Suzanne. And uh, during that season, they were having these uh, festivals in Orlando, these Jesus festivals in Orlando. And they were phenomenal. Tens of thousands of young people craving, searching, looking coming out of drug abuse and coming out of the Vietnam War and coming out of uh, all the things that they were searching for. And, and throughout the whole movie, you have this sense that the main characters in the movie are, are really searching for truth. But they're looking in all the wrong places. And so many today in 2024... 
that have been raised up in the church still have a desperate need to know the truth of who Jesus Christ is for their life. And that when you encounter him, it's going to be a radical change in your life. You're not going to just go from being a good person to a better person. You're going to go from being lost to redeemed. Your, your life is going to radically change. And when, when we begin to stir that, that desire within us that literally is a God desire, that God has a plan, he's written a script for, for me, am I willing to walk out that script? Am I willing to walk out that plan? Am I believing for something bigger than just the norm? I don't want just the norm. I want to experience the, the power and the move of the Holy Spirit in our life in a way that, that maybe some of us have never encountered before in our entire lives. A, 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 an encounter with the Holy Spirit so real that it will change your children's life forever once they receive the impartation of Christ, their Redeemer. Our kids don't just need another youth group. They don't need lights and show and smoke. They need a personal encounter with the living God. And, and, and if you don't know yet, if your children have experienced that, you need to set yourself to praying until you know without a shadow of a doubt that your kids have met Christ. Because there's not a good enough youth pastor in the world. There's not enough smoke. There's not enough lights. There's not enough music there's not enough guitar players or drummers to impact your children's life the way that one encounter with the living christ will forever bring them to that place that goes i ain't never looking back i mean i had an encounter with jesus when i was eight years old just a boy and all of you that have traveled with me to cuba and been a part of the Million Bible Project that we, we did. Uh, uh, I had to endure all the, the laughing behind my back of the stories that I was telling because they would sit there, my people, in the audience among all these incredible uh, Latin folks, Cubans, and, and they, I could see their lips moving as I was telling my story. They were, they were telling it too because they had heard it so many times. But guess what? That one encounter impacted my life to the point where at 66 years of age my passion desire is I want more of God I've never got that place where I'm going to walk away but I'm also not at that place where I'm content in just church we don't need more church we need more Jesus. We need such an impartation. And I believe that we can have it here and now. I don't believe I got to go to Dallas or California or Reading or Orlando to experience a move of God. I believe when we are hungry enough, Holy Spirit will be poured out among us in ways that we can't even fathom. But it comes with a hunger, a, a, a passion, like I'm starving. Your kids ever told you that? 
I'm starving, Mom. And you look at them. <laughs> They're not starving. They're probably not even hungry. It's just their body, it's habitually, it's 5 o'clock, it's time to eat. It's 8 o'clock in the morning, it's time to eat. Matter of fact, the other day I was walking through the house, middle of the afternoon, I came home and I had not had lunch. And uh, I yelled at Suzanne who, across the bedroom and I said, honey, I'm starving. <laughs> and then I burst out laughing. <laughs> I was hungry. I mean, my stomach wasn't even growling. I was just mentally ready to eat. I already missed lunch. Might as well have an early supper, right? Just get two meals in for one today, call one of them a fast, and let's move on. <laughs> I mean, if you're checking off the boxes, you know what I'm saying? Got to get those brownie points for fasting every once in a while. But God has a plan for us. So this morning, very quickly, in the next few minutes, I want to give you four points. I could give you 15, but I'm going to stop at four because... I'm praying I can get to the fourth one. Number one, God likes you. Amen. He likes you. I, I didn't say he loved you. He, we, we, that's established. He gave his son Jesus to go to the cross to die because he loved you. But he likes you. Some of you don't even like you. I know, I'm looking at some of your faces, man. Sometimes you, you, you look like if you could beat yourself up, you would. You don't like yourself. You, you, you're, you're believing a lie. Because he really does like you. You're his creation. He dreamed of you before you existed. He had already given you a name before your father and mother conceived you in your mother's womb. God had already named you. Wow. He must like you a lot. And he has a plan for your life. He doesn't want you just floundering. He wants you to live a fulfilled purpose. There's something about doing something that fulfills you. If you're working a job that you absolutely hate, hear me. You need to stir up your faith to believe God. Now, there's a difference between being somewhere where God has you and just being there because you went out and got yourself the job. If God's got you there for a reason, then fulfill the reason, then he might move you on. Or he might give you the business. But if you're not happy and fulfilled in what you're doing, you need to say, God, what else is there that I can turn my attention to? What's kingdom that's going to impact my life and impact someone else's life? Because God likes you so much, hear me, he trusts you with someone out there who's lost and on their way to hell, he trusts you to be the instrument of righteousness to impact their life in such a way 
that they're going to come eventually to Christ. Because he trusts you with them. I'm very thankful today that I'm able to walk with a shoe on. Has anybody ever done anything stupid before in your life? Just I want to just see if I'm in good company. Yeah, yesterday, yesterday, because of a divine appointment I had earlier in the week, met a, met a man at Publix, and um, we got into a long conversation. And he used to, I used to buy firewood from this gentleman, and he would, he would, I'd call him up, and, and if he wasn't home, his wife would take my message, and within a few days, I'd see the truck pull out in the back of my uh, yard, back to my pole barn, and I'd see this gentleman uh, unloading the firewood that I'd ordered, and, and if I wasn't there, he'd just drive off because he'd collect some other time when he knew I was good for it, and, and so the last few years, this brother has not been available to uh, to bring me firewood. He's going through a lot of battles. And so I ran into him last the other day in Publix and he yeah, I walked around and didn't even see him. He yells at me, hey, the rock. <laughs> Yesterday he asked me finally, he said, I'm so embarrassed. He said, but all these years I've known you, what is your name? <laughs> I just always call you the rock. Well, that's Jesus, my Lord and Savior, but my name's George. And uh, so out of our conversation, uh, I told him who I was buying wood from, and he, and he knows the gentleman, and he said, oh, he's okay, but his wood's not as good as mine. I said, well, but I can't get any of your wood. He said, I'm going to bring you some wood. And I said, if you bring me some wood, I'm, I'm going to pay for that wood. And, and so yesterday I get a phone call. He says, hey, The Rock, you home? <laughs> yes, sir. I'm on my way. Got a whole cord and a half. Man, he's naming exactly what it is, the width of it, the length of it. You okay with this? You okay with this price? And anyhow, before he got there, I, did, I, I went out to clean up the area so he could back his truck in. I picked up this log, and it slipped out of my hands. And, and I had soft tennis shoes on, and it landed right square on my big toe on my left foot, and I had a hallelujah come to Jesus moment. I was so proud of myself, what came out of my mouth, and it wasn't what comes out of an unredeemed person. I was thanking Jesus, hallelujah, holy God, you are awesome, mighty. As my toe began to swell and I could feel the blood oozing in my sock, and I was afraid to go take it off because I didn't want to have a broken toe, so Figure if I didn't look at it, it didn't look bad, right? <laughs> Isn't that how some of us live? If I just don't look at it, it'll be okay. <laughs> Eventually, I had to take that sock off and, and had a big gash in the top of my toe, and it began to turn black and blue. And, and uh, Suzanne said, you're preaching tomorrow. I don't care if you go in flip-flops. You're preaching tomorrow. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Anyhow, my friend Tommy backs up and pulls up and and uh, he said, no, I don't need your help. And I said, Tommy, I'm helping you. He's wheezing. He's fighting heart disease and lung cancer and thyroid cancer. He's got all these issues going on in his body. And, and I said, no, no, I'm going to jump up here in the truck and help you. And he's, no, no, I got this. And I said, nope, not in my yard, you're not. So I jumped up. We, we talked. We just talked the whole time as I'm just throwing him the logs. He's stacking them. And when, he got, when we got through, I paid him, and we stood there and chatted at the back of his truck. I, 
I said, well, Tommy, I got to go, man. I got to go get, get, get I go look at my big toe. He's laughing at me and, and uh, started to walk away. And he says, hey, can I give you a hug? A big old man. I mean, he's a man's man. And he gave me this big old huge bear hug. And I reminded him that God loves him. Because he's had a rough life. When I first met Tommy, he had just gotten out of prison for 25 years. But I treated him with respect and dignity. And I've watched over the last 15 years as I've known this man. And yesterday as he's driving off, dealing with all the issues he's dealing with, I was, God, you still have a plan for this man's life. He said, he said Pastor, I'm, I'm going to come visit you at the rock. I said, don't be a liar, Tommy. Liars don't get to heaven. <laughs> don't tell me you're coming if you're not coming. Just don't tell me, and then if you come, it'll be, he said, no, no, I'm coming. I don't know if he's here this morning or not. If he is, he probably doesn't want you to recognize him. But <laughs> See, God has a plan not only for your life, but he's got a plan for somebody else's life that he's going to trust you to touch their life. Psalm 139, i got to read this real quick. Slow that clock down, please. Psalm 139, the psalmist wrote this. He said, I praise you, O God, for I am fearfully, look up here, and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes, O oh God, saw my unformed substance. And in your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as a yet there was none of them. You think God doesn't like you? Before you were, he knows every day that he's entrusted into your care. That's why when the doctor gave me a diagnosis, the doctor gives you a diagnosis, the banker gives you a diagnosis, the, the marriage therapist gives you a diagnosis, and it's negative and bad, you do not have to receive that. Why? Because God already knows your last day from your first day. All of you know your first day. Only the Father knows your last day. And man, when you can come to that place in your relationship with him that you trust him, then no matter what the doctor says, the banker says, the marriage therapist says, what matters is what does God say? What does his word declare? What is he speaking to you? What has he said that's going to impact your life for good? It's that word. And you know what? You can go there with confidence. All you got to do is read the word. That's why the enemy wants to keep you out of the word so much. Hear me. That's why it's easy to sit down and watch a three-hour TV show, but it's really hard to sit down and read the word of God for 15 minutes. And I challenge you again, stir you again, encourage you again. Pick, pick a Bible reading plan that you like and commit to it. I mean commit like the sun will not set or the sun will not rise before I meet with God. Spend time in his word, spend time in prayer, spend time in worship. 
You have to. You've got to make a plan. Say, yeah, but it's so hard to get up. Well, yes, it is when you're staying up late at night watching Stupid Vision. You have to make a choice. Tuesday morning prayer here, 6.15, every Tuesday morning. Many of you used to come, but now you've gotten lazy. Oh, I love you so much. You're not here, you're not, not here because of a good reason. You're not here because you won't set your clock. Some of you don't spend time in the presence of the Lord before you go to work, and you wonder why your day is always so rough. And then at night, you're desperately crying out, God, man, how horrible day. Well, why don't you start your day with God? I wasn't going to preach this, but it's coming for somebody, for some of us. I mean, you got to make a covenant. you got to make a commitment. you just got to give your word to yourself and to God. Make a covenant with God. God, I'm not leaving my house tomorrow until I, I spend some time in the word. I'm reading in 1 Samuel right now, started in Genesis. I'm reading through the Bible again, and uh, it's February the, what, today, the 4th, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm through Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteron Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua. I don't know what's next. What is it? Judges? Ruth? Yeah, that was a good story too, man, Ruth. If you haven't read Ruth, you should read it. Some of you guys, like, yeah, that's a girl's chapter. No, 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 that, that's a powerful book. What's after Ruth? First, second, Samuel? Okay, that's where I am. David. Walking out what God called him to do in the secret place. And now he's having to walk it out publicly. What are you walking out publicly that God has spoken to you in the secret place? You see, if you're not in the secret place, he can't talk to you there. But once you get in that place, then all of a sudden when you're in the public arena, that that has been instilled in you in the private will come forth. When you drop a log on your toe, you don't say, oh, she, la, la, li. Why? It's not in you. If it's in you, it's coming out of you. Come on, somebody. I, I said to a coach one time, I went to his practice. He was a part of our church family. And I went to his practice, and I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden, I hear the F-bomb just being dropped here and there. Just, bam, slamming these, yelling at these players. And I was so yucky. Because this man had had a testimony. This man had spoken publicly and about his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I did what every pastor that loves his men do. I called him to my office. And I said, Coach, what's with the language? Oh, you know, that's, 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 just, a coach, that's just a coaching thing. I said, no, you lost any credibility with your players about a relationship with Jesus Christ because I don't believe Jesus would be dropping the F-bomb. And I don't know how the F-bomb motivates your player to play better. And so he got offended and they left the church. Truth will set you free if you want it to set you free. 
But if you get offended in your flesh, then that, now you got to, Jesus said, don't let offenses come. You know why he said that? Because offenses come. Because somebody's going to offend you. What you going to do with it? What you going to do? What you going to do with it? Right? What are you going to do with it when it comes? You, you, you got to settle that before it ever happens. When you know that you are fearfully made by Father God, listen to this, it changes everything in your life and the way you see yourself. See, I saw God as a child kind of like Mickey Mantle, the baseball player. And, and, and God had his baseball bat, and my head was the baseball. And I had this fear every time I messed up that God was about to take a swing. And like old Mickey Mantle, you know, he's pointing to the, he's pointing to where he's going to hit it. I, I, I love God, but I was afraid of God because I didn't know that God liked me. I thought I was one swing away from hell. Do not pass go, do not collect $200. Go directly to jail or hell. Until all of a sudden you get a revelation, which my prayer is everybody in this room, if you don't have it, you walk out of here today with the revelation that not only does God love you, but God likes you. He likes you. Everything about my relationship with God as a kid was based on works. The problem was I wasn't a very good worker. Some of y'all are not very good workers. You work, work, work to try to be right with God. But you don't get right with God by your works. You do works because you're right with God. Come on, somebody. You're serving somebody. You're helping somebody. You're blessing somebody because you're right with God, not trying to get right with God. I, I don't pay my tithe to get right with God. I pay my tithe because God says he will bless me if I'll be obedient. And so out of obedience... You walk out in joy, Amen. joyful, joyful that you get to serve someone. When that brother asked me yesterday if he could hug me, a white man and a black man under the pole barn, nobody else around, embracing. See, that can only be a God thing. And I knew that his embrace to me, and he said, Pastor, I'm praying for you. I mean, he knows what I'm going through. I know what he's going through. But the ability to serve and to touch, not to try to get right with God, but because we are right with him. For me, those of you that have been around here a long time know this story, but my life was radically changed forever. When I was 24 years old and Suzanne gave birth to our first son, Nathan. Up until that moment in my life, 
My going to church, my going to Bible college, my pursuing the ministry, my, my desires, everything was based on just trying to be right with God and do what I felt like God wanted me to do. But it wasn't based on a relationship that was built on love and trust. Those of you that are married know it's hard to have a good marriage when you don't have love and you don't have trust. You don't trust your, your spouse. You don't trust your husband or your wife. It's hard to love your husband or wife. I am thankful God gave me a wife 44 years ago that was trustworthy. But she conceived our child. We're in the Air Force. She's teaching school. She goes through the nine months. It's time for the baby to be born. We're, we're at the hospital, and it's finally time. The baby's coming. The doctor's there. The nurse is there. I'm there all in my diet. I look like a doctor. Didn't have the money of a doctor, but I look like a doctor. Poor as could be. Had all my gear on. Had my mask on. Had my little hat thing on. Had my shoes covered. Had the little blue outfit on. And Nathan came. Boom. Doctor catches him. They do whatever they do down there. He hands the baby to the nurse. The nurse turns around and hands the baby to me. What am I to do with this thing? He was all gooked up. I mean, he was gooky. I was like, what in the world is wrong with my kid? I didn't know they came out like that. I thought they came all clean, you know, with a diaper on. Man, he didn't come no diaper. He was gooky. I mean, I kissed his forehead and had to go, what is that? But she handed that baby to me. They're doing whatever they do with my wife. She's still on the bed. And I lost focus of everybody in that room except for that child. And all of a sudden, that little boy in my arms, and I looked down, for nine months, his mother and I had been talking to him, coming up with a name for him, praying over him, singing over him, listening to his heartbeat. I'd put my ear up next to Suzanne's belly, and I'd listen to the heartbeat, and she'd get so excited. She'd, honey, honey, feel this, feel this. I said, I don't have to feel, man. He'd just be kicking, man. He'd just kicking. But all of a sudden, I'm holding that child in my arms, and I start speaking to him. And I said, son, your mom and I love you. You're ours. Nothing you could ever do would cause us to stop loving you. We're for you. God has a plan for your life. And man, it's going to be so fun watching you grow up and do all these things. And, and I'm just holding him and I'm talking to him and I'm telling him how much I love him. When all of a sudden, as clear as my voice is right now, I heard Holy Spirit say to me, that love is nothing compared to my love for you. See, for the very first time in my life, I could understand this kind of love. But God's saying, I love you more than that. Before you were, I loved you. Before you came into this world, I had a purpose for your life. I had a plan for your life.
That's how much God loves you. And I learned this, that my value to God has nothing to do with how I see myself, but is based solely upon how God sees me. I don't have to earn God's love. He gave it freely. You can receive it. I have three other points that I'm going straight to the fourth one. And it's this. The script, the plan that God has for your life requires you to surrender. Surrender. You have to surrender to God's will to God's purpose, to God's plan. It's his. And it requires for each of us something different. When Suzanne and I were watching the movie yesterday, a part of the movie, a part of Lonnie's life, the hippie, is very sad because God used Lonnie in such a significant way in the life of Pastor Chuck and the life of that church. And they filled that little building with hippies and then they put a tent outside and thought it would take months to fill it and in one day they filled this tent with hippies. And, and God used Lonnie in such a significant way but the problem is Lonnie forgot that it was all about God. And all of a sudden, his pride began to rise up. And instead of surrendering and remembering that anything and everything good that's happening in all of their lives was God, he began to think that the whole movement revolved around him. See, I don't know what you have to surrender to today. I know what the Lord continually speaks into my life. You want to do this? You got to surrender this. And surrender is a, it's a powerful principle. Because it brings us to the place, as a believer, it brings us to the place where, God, anything and everything that's good is because of you. Therefore, I'm surrendering all of my will, my desires, my flesh, my ambitions, my dreams, my hopes, my everything. I'm, I'm surrendering because I want something better, which is what you have for me. And then there's some in this room this morning, some watching online, some that will listen on a podcast. You don't know Jesus yet. You don't know God's love in your life yet because you have yet to surrender. You, you, you try to be your own savior. You remember, believers, when you, you tried to save yourself by your good works? Good works won't save you. Surrender to, Lord, not my will, your will be done. Not my life, 
but the life you have for me. Some in this room this morning need a savior. And you need to come to that place where you realize that you cannot save yourself. Surrendering to Father God really comes out of a place of trust that, that you can trust God with your life. So remember this, one, God likes you. And he likes you a lot. Two, he created you in his image and in his likeness. Three, he has plans for you. Even if right now sitting in this room, you do not have a clue what you think you should be doing with your life. God has a plan for you. And if you'll seek him with, diligently with your whole heart, the word says, you will find him. Why? Because he's going to reveal himself to you. For God loves you so much that he gave his only son, Jesus, to die on the cross to forgive you of your sins. So not just that you'll get to go to heaven one day, but that you get to live life here and now abundantly. So I want to ask you to bow your head for a moment. I've asked Jamie and Steve to sing through this incredibly beautiful song song of declaration, a song of surrender. If you don't know the Lord this morning, I ask you right where you sit, what's holding you back? What's keeping you from surrendering your all to the one who gave you his all? He gave you his son, Jesus. He died for you. so that you would have the ability to surrender to him and receive the fullness. Listen to this song as they sing it for us this morning. All to Jesus I surrender
team, I'd like you to come down, please, to the front. Listen one more time. Let this become your song. And all to Jesus today, I encourage you to step out from where you are, come down here, ask one of these folks to lead you in a simple prayer of salvation. Jesus loves you deeply, dearly, this morning. presence this morning. We come with a heart and an attitude of surrender today. Many of us with many different things going on in our lives today, Father, we need a touch from you as we surrender areas of our life to you, holy God, that you are faithful touches right where we are.
invite you to just lift up your hand in a place of surrender right where you're standing before the Lord. Let me pray over us today. Father, in the name of the Lord, as we just hold up our hands before you as a place of surrender, our heart, our soul, our mind, our body, our life, our family, our marriage, our finances. Father, our entire complete lives today, we surrender once again to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. We say, Lord, be Lord of our lives today. Every part, 24-7. God, that as we walk out of this place today, we walk out onto the mission field of our life. We begin in our Jerusalem, Father, which is right here in Gainesville, in north central Florida. Lord, and then we go into the uttermost parts of the world with the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ because we know, Father, that you love those who are lost. And your heart is to seek and to save those so that they can come to Christ. Jesus, I thank you that you died on the cross for our salvation. You didn't die on the cross so that we could become theologians or proud of something that we have or some knowledge that we have. You died for us so that we could be redeemed, cleansed and healed and set free so that we could live out our lives no matter what we do. Father, I pray over all the businessmen and women of our house all of those that own businesses, I pray, Father, for just an outpouring of creativity and wisdom and favor that you will bless their hands and bless their business, Father, in a supernatural way. Lord, that you can entrust the people of this house with great wealth to do what you have called us to do, which is to finance the gospel of Jesus Christ to all the world. And so today, Lord, as we just surrender to you our all in all, we say, be glorified in our lives. Be Lord today. No one deserves our praise, our adoration, or our love. Help us not to allow pride in, Father. Help us not to think that we're something that we're not, Lord. Help us to remember that every good and perfect gift has come from you. That you could have used the jackass, but you're using us instead. And we're grateful for that today. I pray your blessings mightily upon this house. In Jesus' mighty name, and everybody said a big amen. amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a praise this morning. He's worthy. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org.